Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe in Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling 773-572-3006. Or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream or computer, or on your smart speaker. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923 and enter the pin 287-723-4600 followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devon, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, Robert Herrick, and Bill Sparks. Thank you very much, Marty. We really appreciate that. He does a bang-up job on that intro. Hello, and welcome to Sports Lounge Live. Chris, take it away. Okay, well, happy uh, something or another. Tomorrow uh, could be Columbus Day. It might be Indigenous Peoples Day. It's could Canadian Thanksgiving Day. And, the Canadian yeah. Thanksgiving Day. It could be October 12th, I really think, because I know today is yeah. October 11th, and that this is show 113. Those things we do know. And we also know uh, kind of what we're going to talk about tonight, although that always uh, changes as we go along, especially if we get any, any COVID updates or anything of that sort. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to run down the NFL and the action today. Today, first, starting with a bit of a review of the outbreaks this week and uh, talk about what they've done to the schedule a little bit. Then we're going to do uh, college football. Uh, first, though, before we even do those, we're going to be doing um, quick things on NASCAR and the French Open, which are over. So we'll do NFL, college football. Then we'll do baseball. We have our final four in baseball. We'll talk about that. And then we will do uh, the NBA and the NHL. And we have only four deaths to run down. But once again, we have another icon. as Whitey Ford passed away. So we will have information on him. we got some audio on him too i think so that's uh, and we'll good. try so, chris to get whatever scores we can you might yes. you might address that just briefly what's been going on but we'll try yeah. to get score updates as we it's go been, along it's been uh, it's gotten a little better as the day's gone on at the beginning of the day you couldn't get any scores in the nfl then they started to give you quarterly scores and then they started to give you if the score changed but I'm not sure that's going to work with a basketball game. That would actually be some nimbleness on the part of this. Whatever website they're using yeah. is uh, obviously struggling. So we, in, in, during our time here, we're going to be having uh, the baseball game, the first game of the American League uh, Series. We're going to have the NBA Finals, and we're going to have an NFL game. So it would be nice if we could get scores for you, but uh, we'll do what we can. Or we Yeah, won't. both Alexa and the iPhone and Google are, are Yeah, it's obviously a website to... problem somewhere, yeah. and it's not connected. It's not Apple's fault. It's not Amazon's fault. It's not. Uh, Google's fault. It's somewhere where all this comes from is not working up to par. It got better during the day, but it's not the way it should be. But hopefully right. by tomorrow it'll be good. But if we get can get scores, we will. If we can't, well, hey, what can you do? Anyway, Sean, why don't you get us going with your first uh, thing that you tell us every week? All right. Well, first of all, if you would like to call in at any time, download the Zoom app or use any Zoom number. Or if you don't know a Zoom number, you can use the number that we give, 646-876-9923. Then enter code 287-723-4600. Hit pound key twice. Uh, raise your hand, star nine. When we call on you, you'll unmute yourself by doing star six. Also, you can leave comments throughout the week, 
888-447-0595, option number two. Or if you have any suggestions for the panel you want us to hear it directly, you know, you can also call 773-572-7715. Uh, you can hit pound cue when you hear the greeting start and then send it to a, you know, leave a comment. Unless you want to listen to my pro wrestling hotline over there, uh, you can listen to that and then leave a message. But if not, you can bypass it by hitting the pound. Also, 712 432 3642, Board 9, the Sports Lines Board, and Board 13 is the Schedules Board. Definitely with all the changes, everything going on, you might want to be checking Board 13, especially, and, and even Board 9 for the news, but especially Board 13 for schedule changes and who's playing when and where and what and all that. But before we get going, we're going to give you the question for the week again. So once, once again, we ask this every week. We will not take your answers now. Think about this throughout the show. And, hey, when we get done with the desk and everything, we'll have a discussion and give our answers, and you'll give yours then. Also, remember, before I say that, remember to please uh, talk about whatever topic we're talking about at the time. Try to do that, uh, and then we'll... Uh, because you can you can, ra- you can raise your hand multiple times. Just because exactly. you've already talked, you raise your hand that, doesn't, times, that doesn't mean you can't talk again. Correct. Right. Yeah, you can talk again, but just we're going to stay on whatever subject it is at that particular time. Uh, also, now, here's a question. All right. What, how did you become a fan of your particular teams? Is, what's the story of how you became? And these are all your different teams or any of your teams you want to talk about, like if you have some interesting stories or, hey, it may be boring, whatever. But how did you become a fan of those particular teams? So anyway, let's talk about the French Open and the NASCAR real quick, yep. Robert. Okay. Um, first of all, I'll do the NASCAR because that's the easiest. Chase Elliott won the race in Charlotte today, so uh, um, he's guaranteed to continue in the playoffs. Uh, in the French Open uh, today, Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal had their 56th battle overall in their careers. Uh, I think Nadal was 29 wins and 26 losses between the two of them. And uh, not all these are in Grand Slams, of course. In Grand Slams, they have quite a few uh, battles, too. But Rafael Nadal owns the French Open. He won his 13th French Open today, and that ties him with Roger Federer on the all-time list at 20 Grand Slams, and uh, that is the uh, that is the current record. So next year, provided we have a normal year and people can travel and and do things, uh, the three of them will be battling it out for who winds up on on top uh, as far as the career grand slams are concerned and in the and the woman's final we had an unknown come through because she got invited to the tournament because so many big names either uh, uh, didn't weren't able to travel refused to travel or whatever didn't show up uh her name was Eva uh, Eva Swiatoker, and she's from Poland. She was uh, she, and uh, 19 years old, so just starting out a career. She beat American uh, Sophie Kinnan yesterday in straight sets. So uh, we've had a lot of new people show up 
in in tennis because of the restrictions and a lot of new people have been winning uh you know most of the major tournaments this year but uh there there will not be any more major tournaments until the Australian Open in January provided everything is okay with the virus have they talked about that yet because of course Australia and New Zealand have done pretty well with the virus uh I don't know how they're still doing are they uh, or they start sort of going to still wait until the last they see I how had we're heard, doing. the last I had heard Chris is they're just kind of taking it kind of week to one week, month, you know, one day at a time, just like everybody uh, yeah. else. Uh, several, pe- several people that are from Australia have indicated that uh, they're just going to watch and wait and see what happens. Right. Um, and, but each one, uh, each one of these three pe- tennis players, Roger Federer, uh, Novak Djokovic, and Rafael Nadal, they, they each own a specific tournament where they win. And Nadal, he always wins in, in France. Uh, Federer, he always wins in uh, Wimbledon. Uh, Djokovic, he always wins in Australia. New York is the one that's always up in the air between the three of them. You never know which one's going to show up and, and win at the U.S. Open. So, mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so I guess we need to get started. Before we do our scoreboard for the NFL, I guess we need to talk about um, some of the changes in the schedule that are upcoming, but also how it all got started, and uh, particularly the uh, the Titans and the Patriots, I guess, would be the two teams that we need to kind of focus on the most. Yeah. And uh, so I guess um, the Titans continued. You know, remember last week we were kind of talking about the Titans, and they had, oh, I don't know, at that time, 8 or 10, 12 cases, something like that, between the staff and the players. Well, what it was very – the problem with what's been going on with the Titans is it's in dribs and drabs. You have a day where there's no cases, and then a couple more, and then another day without any, and a couple more. So it wasn't like, oh, boy, this is a, a real outbreak like you had with the Marlins or the Cardinals or something where you said, okay, we know that they, they're going to have to stop and not play for a couple weeks or whatever. So and this, this, and this point, time before today, Chris, they had three days of no pause. Right, yeah. right. and then they got one more case, one of the uh, coaches, I guess. So they've got, I think, a total of around 20, 22, somewhere. 24. 24. And it's pretty even 24. between staff and players, about 12 of each, something yeah. like that. So, and the, the NFL is actually prepared. They're looking, they're seriously looking into laying the law down on them because they, they, they are. But as, as Linda Cohn said today, she on uh, XM, she said, if that investigation goes as fast as they normally do, good yeah. luck. That's yeah, right. That's, be, because what, I what think happened the NCAA was, and the NFL should have a race on, <laughs> yes, on trying to run an investigation. But basically what, what happened, yeah. uh, there was an illegal workout going on. You know, they weren't supposed to be doing it. Maybe right. where players were seen and some coaches, I think, were there too at a high school. Oh, if coaches were there, well, then again, it depends on how who in the team sanctioned it. Like, if, how far well, in the but food they chain can, that way. They, can, they may not be able to find the team in general, but if the team doesn't punish the players right. and whoever was but there, but they also said the, the protocols weren't being followed. That they said they have uh, photos or surveillance or whatever of too many people yep. in the cafeteria at once, too many people in meetings at once, things that were not yep. uh, that would be on the team. Uh, uh, let's, the, let, let's face it, folks. The Tennessee Titans are our football's version of the Miami Marlins. Uh, well, we, well, we don't we don't know that yet that and, and yeah. i suppose to be technical about it we think there were problems with the marlins but baseball couldn't prove anything right no, no. so anyway so tennis so what ended up happening at this late hour we and again these things change by tomorrow it could be different right now tennessee and buffalo are going to play on tuesday night at 7 p.m eastern in tennessee and if that happens 
this is all, it's almost like the, when you say if this game, then we'll have the seventh game on this other day, you know, it's almost like a playoff. Uh, normally it's not like that in the regular season. If that happens, if Tennessee and Buffalo do actually play on Tuesday night in Tennessee, then the ten- there will no be no Thursday night game with Buffalo and Kansas city. We already know that if the game is played on Tuesday night, then on Monday night, the next week, the 19th Buffalo will then play in Kansas city on a, a, a first Monday night game. That'll be at five o'clock Eastern. And then the regular Monday night game will be at eight 20 or eight 30 or whatever. They'll push it back, whatever they want to do with that. Those will both be on ESPN. Assuming that game is played Tuesday. If that game is not played Tuesday, then Buffalo will play Kansas city on Sunday in the regular slot. They were supposed to, well, I don't know, some slot because nope. of course they were going to play nope. on Thursday. So yeah, somewhere on CBS think, on Sunday, I, I know. I think they were going to be a late game on Sunday. Right. They might be. No, they were going to be the third. No, they were the Thursday game. They were the Thursday game. No, no, but if no, but if no, but if they if they yeah, they might go to a late game. Right, going to be a late game. They'll be they'll be a they'll still be a Fox. They'll go they'll go ahead and be a Fox game on Sunday because they were going to be a Fox. Well, that's true. They probably would do that, and especially I think Fox has the double header because then okay, now we get to the Patriots. So this was a lot less people. It's like ended up to be three, maybe four people. I've kind of lost track. Uh, the, two, the two that we know of for sure are Cam Newton and uh, Stephon Gilmore. And what happened was this is an interesting situation because on Friday night last week, a week ago Friday, we didn't know this, of course, didn't come out till this week. Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore went out to dinner after practice. Well, you know, this is not uncommon for people at work. Everybody does what they're supposed to do at work. They wear their masks. They socially distance. They eat separately in the cafeteria. You know, they said people have their own tables. They have smaller lunch hours at, at regular offices and stuff or staggered lunches. And everybody used to go in together and they can't anymore. And they do that. But basically you figure, hey, we're and especially in an industry like this, they're getting tested all the time. They're getting tested every day. So I'm okay. You're okay. So, you know, they both would have come off test of their knowledge that were negative on Friday. So they went out to dinner by themselves, you know, and they just, they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't go uh, carousing or anything. They just went and had a dinner somewhere and, you know, sat together across from each other and so forth. Well, it turned out that Cam's test on Friday, he wouldn't have found out till late Friday night or early Saturday morning was a positive test. So that that is what happened. So basically, he had the virus. He was he turned out to be asymptomatic, which means he, he will probably uh, very likely play uh, next Sunday. And we'll get to that as what they did with the schedule for that. So he would play next Sunday. This has become the Patriots bye week, although not a full bye week for the Patriots because they've been doing practices, you know, been doing virtual meetings. They had to close the facilities because of that. Now, remember, we told you they were going to go play Kansas City on Monday, and they did. They flew out in two separate planes, the offense on one plane, the defense on the other plane. Uh, They played, they lost. You know, and, uh, you know, then they came back. And then on, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday, I guess, Stefan Gilmore t- tested positive. Well, he'd been out with Cam on Friday night. This thing is contagious. And he didn't know. Cam didn't know. They didn't do anything wrong. And now a defensive lineman has tested positive as well. So they've got three positive tests. And so he was a happened, defensive lineman, Chris, apparently on the practice squad. Right. So that squad. may be a whole other issue. But but anyhow, so the, the point is they ended up, they were going to play, the Patriots were originally going to play Denver this afternoon at 425. They didn't do that. Then they were going to play Denver tomorrow at 5 Eastern. They didn't do that because of this 
third test that came out today. They would have if that hadn't happened. So what they did was they moved the Patriots-Denver game. That then became the Patriots bye week and the Denver bye week. They moved the Patriots-Denver game to the next week on Sunday, and they will play it sometime or another, probably late, uh, but I don't know. It could be one, could be four or five, but because CBS doesn't have the doubleheader. That was supposed to have been a uh, game. So, it yeah. was supposed to be, but Fox has the doubleheader now So yeah. on that week, so I don't know when they're going to play it. They'll play it. And it was supposed yeah. to have been, next week would have been New England's bye week. Also. Correct. Correct. So they yeah. moved up now Denver and the Patriots. Denver's was off in the future. So what's going to happen? Denver was supposed to play Miami next week. They're not going to do that. They're going to play Miami in week 11, I think it is. Yep. And, yeah. they're, and they're moving San Diego, uh, I mean, the Chargers game to week eight with Denver. And we will, what we will do, I'm going to take notes on all this because we also have the Tennessee, Baltimore, Pittsburgh thing being switched around. So I'm going to, because I do the schedule here for this show, but I also do it for our phone folks. And so I'm going to try to write these notes down so that I can plug these in where they go as we get to each week. Of course, there may be more each week because we may have more of these outbreaks. So basically, they're back on on track, assuming the Buffalo and Tennessee can play and that the Patriots and Denver can play. I mean, the Patriots outbreak is very small. It's just, again, in dribs and drabs. You have it Friday, then Wednesday, then Sunday. Well, if you're going to get them every four days, it's, you know you have to close the facility and clean the, the thing again and do all I mean, that. If, if we want to put it very simply, the only outbreak per se, is Tennessee. Correct. Yes, correct. That's, but, that's but the simple version. Pain. If you get them all at once, that's fine. But when you get them every three or four days, it just throws things up. And they realize that people can play with a few players down. They, they, they planned on that. That's why the rosters are bigger. But you can't play with no offensive linemen. You can't play with no defensive back. So that's the issue. That's part of the issue. But the, the, the Patriots, they're not saying the Patriots are in any trouble as far as organizationally. They're not saying they did anything wrong. They're not even saying Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore did anything wrong. People do this all the I mean, hey, people go out with their work mates. I was talking to somebody who's not a football fan at all, and I said, hey, if, if you guys went out after work, because I work at home now, you guys went out after work, I mean, I, you, you wouldn't think anything of it because you know you've been doing what you've been supposed to be doing all week. And they, she said, yeah, that's right. So there's not much we can do about that. So I think other than that, we can start to get to the scores. It's a full actual football. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Perry. Uh, hang on, just let me open, go and open this window. Oh, look through any window, yeah. <laughs> okay, I can come up with a different window song for each week while he does. Go in and <laughs> yeah, out the window. While he tried to open the window, yeah. I'd have been, I'd have been okay oh. if I wouldn't have hit the wrong button. Here we go. All right. Bears 20, Buccaneers 19. That was actually a really good Thursday night game. Uh, it was. Yes, it was. Bowles played I, pretty – he played okay. And, I mean, the box didn't play horrible, but the Bears were – the Bears well, played the, well. The weird thing was the first half, it looked like the, the Bucks were going to run him out of there. And Brady did. was, And then he kind of, like, just stopped. He just wasn't doing it anymore. And then uh, the Bears came and suddenly Foles got going. And Foles had been lousy the first part of the game, and Brady was good. And then that was the other way around. And then Brady uh, discovered he couldn't count. Because at the end of the game, he thought he was supposed to get another down. He wanted a, a well, what would have been the fifth down, and uh, he had spiked it and lost track of what was going on and so forth. So I don't know what happened. I don't think his mind was there, you know. So they've fallen to three and two, and what you've got now is a real battle in that division. We're going to be talking about Carolina later and New Orleans, but if New Orleans wins, we're going to have a three-way tie for first place in that division. Yep. And the Bears, by the way, uh, you know, did did lose, did win, and so that's a good thing. You know, the Packers are off, so they're within a half a game of the Packers. We should mention right. that too. Panth- Panthers twenty three, Falcons sixteen, and the Falcons have yet to win a game. 
there they and, and it looks like we uh, Dan Quinn is going to go out according to what Robert heard or yeah you know, and well that, the athletics said that and and Steve Torrey and Bill Leckis on Sirius XM NFL radio also right. indicated that right and yeah, Dan, but they, they and, got the story from the athletics yeah and and no offense to any Falcons fans out there but this should have happened after the Super Bowl. Well, well, I don't think yeah. you're going to do. I don't think you would do it after the Super Bowl. No, that was like the, the two years ago, three years ago. It, it, you know, maybe when what they may have done even is uh, what I would have done with the Super Bowl. You figure the offensive coordinator was calling the plays. Why weren't there some running plays? I think that's where you you look. For example, remember the uh, uh, Music City Miracle? They got rid of the special teams coach in Buffalo. Yeah, well, the the, the uh, offensive coordinator at the time during the Super Bowl was now uh, the 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan. So. Well, we'll get to them in a minute. We'll yeah. get to them in a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Raiders 40, Chiefs 32. We said before we came on, uh, we were having fun with Robert. I said, we're not going to take Robert to the casino because his picks have not been good this week. So, But, Robert, uh, since, even though your pick was not good, uh, how about what you think of the game? Well, I, I'm absolutely I'm absolute, I'm absolute thrilled because I, I, uh, the Raiders have not won a game in Kansas City in eight years. Um, the last time they won in, in Arrowhead was 2012. And I never dreamed in a million years that they'd be able to walk into Kansas City today and actually put up 40 points against the Chiefs and come out on top uh, because it's not very often you're going to get Patrick Mahomes to make too many mistakes, but he actually made a few today. So. You know, the, oh, Chiefs didn't really play, the Chiefs didn't really play super well against the Patriots the other night. I mean, the Patriots, right. if they'd have had, if Newton had been playing, or maybe even Brissett, I don't know, but I mean, uh, basically Hoyer I gave mean, him. Uh, sit him. I said, yeah, that's right. Well, he reminds me of Prezet because he can yeah. run. But no, you're right. I mean, the, the thing is that the Patriots kind of left that out on the field. I mean, they played well, and, and Kansas City did not play well. It was one of those things where, yeah, the Patriots played okay, but the Chiefs only got 19 points off the Patriots' defense. There were the other seven was an interception. So the Chiefs were kind of, so after that Baltimore game where they were on all cylinders and did so well, you know, I think any team has a bit of a letdown. Then the whole thing about, well, we playing this day, we playing that day, are you guys coming, are you guys staying home? I think the whole week has probably thrown them off, even though they haven't had any cases or anything. I think it just kind of knocked them, knocked them out of yeah. out of whack. So, well, you know. and, John, and John Gruden said after the game that he picked up several things on film from both the Baltimore and New England game that he was able to use to his advantage. Right, and I do know we have hands. We'll get to you as soon as we get through the scores. Right, right. Cardinals. 30 and the Jets 10. Well, the Jets are just the Jets, I guess. Joe yeah. Flacco did not do very well, and. No, so, and the they, thing is, that if yeah. you in New York, I think they can now see when we get to the Giants game. You know, they lost too. The Giants did, but you can now see the the Giants are heading seemingly somewhat in the right direction. I mean, it's it's slow, it's painful, and they didn't they don't have Saquon Barkley and all that other stuff. But the Jets are just on their way. You know, the next game, if Dan Quinn's going to go, the one at least maybe at the end of the year or sometime is going to be Adam Gase. Uh, the, yeah, he, that, he's a disaster. That, as a that's coach. off the rails with the yeah. Jets right now. Right. Steelers thirty-eight, Eagles twenty-nine. Boy, that was a a really good yes. game right up to the right up to the end. The, yeah, the Eagles were down and they came roaring back, and yep. uh, the Steelers the Steelers had to score that last touchdown at the end. Yeah, they had a couple of young receivers coming through for them, Ward and Fulgham. And of course, they've had their some of their receivers out. Um, also, um, 
Wentz actually looked like he knew what he was doing. You know, at that, hey, they won a game, and which is a bit discounted by what happened today, but they won a game in San Francisco, which wasn't easy to do last week. And you say, hey, maybe they've got it together. And to some degree, they look like they did. But the Steelers are, again, I think one of the elite teams. And I, I really think if you look around, I, I, and I'd have to sit there and, and figure it out, I think the AFC is a little better than the NFC because you've got four or five teams in the AFC that are really good this year. Uh-huh. Rams 30, Washington 10. The the key thing here, I mean, the Rams won it. That's cool. But Alex Smith played in uh, his first game since that brutal injury in 2018. 17 surgeries. Yeah, he finally got back on the field. He didn't do If it had been a movie, he would have won the game. But it wasn't a movie, so he didn't win the game. He didn't play well. Uh, You know, he had very bad statistics. But Alex Smith, uh, remember, he's the guy that uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick took the job from. Alex Smith has had sort of a journeyman career. So were Kirk Cousins that we're going to see tonight, really. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Patrick Mahomes also took his job in Kansas City. So, you know. So, no, I mean, they were targeted. And Kyle... Kyle Allen, I guess, was off to a decent start before he got hurt, but yep. um, you know the, that was a helmet to helmet hit. Yeah, but this yep. is this is the uh, NFC least, so they're still not out of contention. Nobody That's is correct. in that division. Yeah, Ravens twenty six, Bengals three. Well, Cincinnati didn't play well today. Twenty seven to three. Yes, the Bengals yep. did not play well today. No. no, and the thing no. is, you you look for a rookie to have days like this, and they do. You know, I remember when you know, and I'm talking about the rookies who get thrown in right away and they have to start out. I can remember Bledsoe and, and Plunkett and uh, '93 for Bledsoe, '71 for Plunkett having days where they just didn't look like they belonged on the football field. Next week, they'd come back and throw four touchdowns or do what yeah. they've been doing, and they both had decent rookie years, but they had some really bad games. And this is the first one for Burrow. But again, we're talking about the elite teams and Baltimore. Even though what Kansas City did to them a couple of weeks ago. Despite that, Baltimore is one of those elite teams. Texans 30, Jaguars 14, Romeo Cornell after replacing Bill O'Brien. Got the first yeah. win of the year for the Wherefore Texans. wert thou, Romeo? And, anyway, becomes, yeah. and becomes the oldest coach in NFL history to ever record a win in the league. So, Sean, what do you think of, of as far as the uh, Texans? And also, well, talk about that general manager they have. Who the heck is it? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I was going to get, of course, for the, well, Texans, you know, I, I knew they were either going to come on a real big high or a low or a really big letdown because of a new coach. And they came out, they dominated, and a lot of it goes back, of course, on Monday. Bill O'Brien was fired as head coach, GM, head janitor, uh, head of security, whatever else he did around there. Right. Uh, Bob McNair's son put him in charge of when Bob died. So, you know, but his assistant, Jack Easterby is the having all the GM duties, Romeo Cornell, all the coaching duties. Jack Easterby was brought in by Bill O'Brien because in New, he was a life coach in New England when Bill O'Brien was there, so he knew him. And he was a chaplain, the team chaplain in Kansas City. So he's your GM in Houston. Good luck, everybody. Yeah. Well, maybe they, maybe they think that they just need a lot of and, prayers in Houston. And, the re, and here's what's, what's come out later. The, the reason that O'Brien was dismissed, apparently, after the game last Sunday, J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien had words. And when J.J. Watt has words with you, you know who's going to win in that team. When J.J. Watt's basically the man in Houston, I mean, since probably you had Earl Campbell, Nolan Ryan, Akeem Olajuwon, and now J.J. Watt. So he's like the latest he is the athlete in Houston, and he when he says something, mm-hmm. you know, people listen. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Dolphins, 43, 49ers, 17. Jimmy Garoppolo returned. He only played about a half. And then he, he was, sort of returned. Uh, he yeah. sort of returned, yeah. And then he was benched. Uh, C.J. Beathard played the second half, and it didn't get any better. The Dolphins no. had run away with the game by that time. Yeah, uh, right know. now, right now, San Francisco is an absolute disaster area, and uh, we're going to find out what kind of coach Kyle Shanahan is, and we're going to find out what kind of GM John Lynch is, because I can guarantee you, uh, the uh, the radio station who covers the 49ers is going to be all over this after what happened uh, both last Sunday night and today. So it was, well, kind, of, it was kind of funny because uh, Steve Torrey had said, well, Beathard came in and he really hasn't done much. Bill Lecker says, what's he supposed to do? He doesn't play defense. Yeah. yeah. You know, the thing is, they've had so many injuries. And also, the other thing, too, is people talk about, and I, I know the statistics on this, and I don't know what they are, but a team, the losing team in the Super Bowl has a hard time. The winning team often either makes it back or gets into the playoffs. Often the losing team doesn't. The losing team, you know, they go all, they do all that work, they get there, and they just, and then, you know, it's been a long year. And, of course, this year's a very unusual year with the with the virus. But, you know, they've had so many injuries, sometimes that's attributed to that. But just the, the attitude, it's, you know, we did all that work, and what did we get for it? We didn't even get a ring. So I'm thinking that part of it, too. I think San Francisco will sort of fade off, and it'll be between the, the, the other three teams in that division to, to see who wins it. Yep. Browns 32, Colts 23. How about that game, Bill? Well, then again, the Colts, I would have to say probably Phillip Rivers, two big interceptions, um, and then a, a big safety that he had given up on him. And their special teams and defense did not play well the second half, and their offensive woes are coming to the forefront. They really don't have a strong running game since they lost Marlon Mack and uh, one other wide receiver, Campbell, Pierce Campbell. So, what well, this is the first time. This is the first time the Browns 25. have been four and one since 1994, and that means this set of Browns since 1994. Because remember, there was 95 through uh, 96 through 98, we had no Browns. So basically, going back to the year that Bill Belichick was coaching them in 1994, and they went to the playoffs and got to the beat the Patriots and lost to the Steelers. That's the uh, that's how good these Browns are. I mean, they're putting points up. Their defense isn't so hot, but they're putting points up. Uh, Baker Mayfield is playing very well. They're missing they're missing Nick Chubb though. And uh, hopefully, uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out, a few weeks, I guess, but uh, they miss him. But um, they did win. They had 12,000 people there today, so uh, that's double what they had when they played Cincinnati a couple weeks ago. So they're they're getting there. And the announcers yeah. were there for the Colts, too. They did it the game live from... Oh, did they? Okay, yeah. well, not, not a long trip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cowboys 37, Giants 34. That uh, the highlight here, Dak Prescott carted off with what sounds to be a fairly significant injury. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it and it does not look good. Uh, I would, I'm not a doctor, but I would predict his season is over with. And Brad Sham said it during the game. He said, hey, now, don't start tweeting out there, Cowboy fans, saying, oh, now we need need to tank. You know, this team is not going to tank is what he kept saying. Well, because they have the best backup that anybody had. Remember that the two quarterbacks that they were talking about coming uh, here to play with the Patriots when Brady left was uh, Dalton and Newton. And so this is not uh, a terrible quarterback that they're playing with either. So we'll see how that goes. Vikings Seahawks just underway tomorrow night's game Chargers and Saints that's at 8:15 and then Tuesday at 7 p.m. at least for now 
the Bills and the Titans are still scheduled to play on Tuesday. Right. So, Chris, how about next week? Okay, well, we'll go through next week as best we can. Now, we the first, and I'm going to read them as they are here, so we'll go in the order that they come. So, first, we'll talk about Kansas City at Buffalo, and uh, it was supposed to be Thursday night. As we explained to you, it'll either be on, um, if, if Tennessee and Buffalo played, they will play Monday at uh, Monday night the 19th at 5 p.m., Monday evening at 5 p.m., or they will play sometime on Sunday, uh, maybe the late game or, or whatever. But it, I guess it'll probably be a Fox game, at least on uh, on the Sunday, and maybe on Monday it'll be ESPN. I don't know how it, that works. It's going to be ESPN. It is going to be an ESPN double right. on Monday. Okay, so then, anyway, that's what Buffalo and Kansas City are going to play sometime. Bar, bar, and remember, virus pending, by virus uh, barring any of this, and any game that I read here. Houston at Tennessee. Uh, hey, Tennessee, 1 p.m. on CBS. That's what I mean. Cincinnati at Indianapolis, 1 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Atlanta at Minnesota, 1 p.m. on Fox. Washington at the Giants, 1 p.m. on Fox. Baltimore at Philadelphia, 1 p.m. on CBS. Cleveland at Pittsburgh, 1 p.m. on CBS. Chicago at Carolina, 1 p.m. on Fox. Uh, Detroit at Jacksonville, 1 p.m. on Fox. Now, here we go. We have, it says here, Miami at Denver, 4.05 p.m. on CBS. However, we now know that Denver is actually coming to Foxborough to play the Patriots sometime on Sunday, uh, whether it's 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock, a window we don't know. I think I think it may move into that time slot. The four or five is right here. Well, my point day. is, and I keep saying that Fox seems to have the doubleheader that week, so I, they may want it as an early feature game at one o'clock too. But uh, but it's we'll, Denver though. Do, we'll do, do. Them. It's, not yeah, like it's Denver, but uh, they want they love they said Cam Newton is much ETV, so uh, we'll see what they want to do with it. But again, yeah, because Cam Newton should be playing by that time, so uh, we'll see what what happens. We have the Jets at the Chargers, four or five p.m. on CBS, and everybody wants to see that. I'm sure. Green oh, now. Yeah. The one that people really do want to see, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, 425 p.m. on Fox. I remember back in the 80s when Chris Berman used to, when they were terrible, he'd call that game the Bay of Pigs. Well, not anymore <laughs> because you're going to have Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady against each other who have only played a couple of times and had uh, had some really good uh, matchups when they did with the Patriots and Packers. So and they're going to meet again, 425. An old, old matchup of a CU, what is it, you used to call it, two teams from the NFC North. Right. Okay. We have the Rams at San Francisco, 8.20 p.m. on uh, NBC. And then the Monday night game, the second Monday night or the only Monday night game, we don't know which, will be Arizona at Dallas, 8.15 p.m. on ESPN. And then the buys uh, are Las Vegas. It will not be the Patriots now. uh, And uh, New Orleans and Seattle. So that is the we, uh, do, we, Miami, do, we do have a couple oh, in of Miami. Hands. I'm sorry, you're right. Miami, Miami now is a Miami. Yes. The other one is Miami. the yep. yeah. We do have a couple of hands, but we're past the bottom of the hour. So let's get our break. Then we'll come back. We'll take the hands, and then we'll go to college football. So we'll be back in two minutes. I spend a lot of time in the backyard, and I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores. And in 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit, that accidentally started a wildfire when a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. 
If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. And we are back, so we'll go to the hands in the order in which I see them. So, Pierre, if you want to unmute yourself, you're good to go. Okay. Uh, uh, the um, Okay, under the scenario that y'all gave, does that mean there will be no Thursday night game? Yes, right. correct. This week there yeah. will be none either way, no matter whether Tennessee and Buffalo play or not. Okay, and uh, and the uh, on the uh, uh, scores uh, – uh, Siri is still not giving any scores, but Alexa has corrected herself, and she is giving the proper scores now. Okay. Now, what I noticed how, during the day was it was giving the new score, but it wouldn't give how much time or anything was left. Anymore. No, it's not giving how much time left in the game or anything like that. It just gives you the current score. Right. Uh, and and also right now the uh, Minnesota is uh, is winning seven to nothing. Okay, well then, then that means if we change the name to some one of these devices to Pierre, maybe we'll get more scores. <laughs> but Pierre, while you're here, but well, wait a minute, Pierre. If we if we did that, Pierre, you might be rich. Right. <laughs> All right. While you're here, Pierre, your guy Michael Thomas suspended yeah. tomorrow night. Yeah, because he punched the teammate in the face. During practice, so he has been suspended for the game tomorrow night. And right. what happened in what happened in? Well, he was supposed to have been Baton Rouge, but Columbia. What happened yesterday? We don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you know, though, Pierre, they went, got and t- got, they went and got a defensive coach off the scrap heap, and <laughs> and and put him there coaching. And they even asked Coach O yesterday, "Are you sorry you hired him, Bo Pelini, as, as your defensive coach?" And he said, "No, I think Bo will do fine." <laughs> but you know, I got to tell you, Pierre, uh, Mississippi State has not looked the same since they played LSU. Well, what about Ole Miss yesterday? If they could, you know, they'd have won that game if they could have stopped anybody, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> but so. as you and I always say, Pierre, though, Alabama's going to win these games by hook or by crook. Exactly. So there's a couple of uh, quick NFL notes, too, before we totally get off the NFL and move on into college. Um, we found out, unfortunately, that Twin Junkin, the uh, color man for the Steelers, has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and he was on the game today, and he sounded okay today, but, you know, we know it's a progressive disease, so we uh, we hope he he's, uh, uh, does as best as he can, and, you know, we certainly, I know they've raised a lot of money. That's where the ice, uh, ice bucket challenge came from, was from that disease, so I know they're working on it, but, you know, it's a, it's a difficult situation, and uh, we certainly think about him. And the other thing was we had uh, some Raiders doing some uh, risky business uh, 
I guess, was uh, they got fined, I guess, what, 15000 per player, and then whoever organized the charity event was fined, uh, what, what, about 50000 or something like that? 50000 yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that was a, a potential. Apparently, they, it didn't work out that way, but it was a potential, a potential uh, um, what do they call those, major spreader. What do they call the, those events? Uh, one a of the, super you know, one of the, spreader. Super like spreader, the, right, right. Kind of right. like uh, the super, super soaker. Remember those things, yeah. Chris? Yeah, the super soaker. Yeah, so yeah. Yes. Ha- we have? Like, Let's... Jerry, if you want to unmute yourself, we will hear you. All right. Give me a second there. Okay. Uh, I agree with what you told me Friday night, Chris, in our conference. The Pitt Boston College game was a real nail biter. Yep. Uh, I feel, though, that Pitt shouldn't have gone for two points at the end. I think that's what blew it for them. Uh, if you have any comments on that. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do you mean it was 31 to 30 and they missed the extra point? Yeah, in the first overtime. Well, no, it was uh, okay. Before it was it was twenty four to twenty four when we got the overtime, and then uh, you guys went ahead thirty one to twenty four. Correct. And then Pitt uh, scored a touchdown. Right. And I think they elected to go for two. If I remember, they did not. They missed an extra point. They missed an extra point. It was sad because that was two weeks in a row. They lost a fifty five yard field goal, missed the extra point. That's that. That was the weird part about it. Yeah. And then uh, as you always as you always hear though, Chris, never. You know what everybody always says: never put your faith in the hands of a kicker. Right. Now the other point. Well, you have to kick an extra point, and that's you do what you have to do. But but the other thing that. Pitt could complain about. There were two fumbles when a bit deep in Pitt territory that, that BC should have probably lost at least one of them that led to 10 points for BC. But there right. were a lot, of, a lot of questionable calls. If you listen to uh, Peter Crone, I was going back and forth because I had Bill Hillgrove and them set up on one uh, thing on my stereo and uh, the BC broadcast on the other. And you listen to the BC broadcast, they weren't too happy with the officiating. So it was a lot of, it was a back and forth. It was a good game. Notre any Dame, thoughts, any week. thoughts on the Steelers, uh, Jerry, real quick? Oh, that was a great game. Uh, I didn't really think the Eagles would do as well as they did, uh, but they have some potential. They might get something together. Of course, uh, Dallas is ahead of them now with their win today, but what yep. can I say? Well, that's not a big deal. And, and uh, so you did hear, I assume, the thing about Twin Chilkin as well? Yeah, that's, but he sounded great today. He did. Of course, uh, he's in our thoughts and prayers, and we'll just see what happens from week to week. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. All right, Jer. And that's it. We got here. That's That's it. it. Okay. So now let's go to college football. football. I was, I suppose the biggest upset yesterday, or one of them was obviously the Missouri win over LSU. Yeah. Yep. Then of course we had the Texas Oklahoma game, which went into four overtimes and neither, you know, neither team, these are supposed to be your two blue blood teams. And yeah, some as an outsider, you may look at it as a good game. But on either side, even if Texas had won it, these two teams are both lucky that they're even one and three. Oklahoma is lucky that they won that game. Texas is lucky that they did not win, lose every game in conference. And it's not the quarterback, Sam Ellinger's fault. But a lot of it here, I think they've lost a lot of respect for the coach, the coaches and the team. There's a little distance, but it's just, you know, Texas has a bye week. I think Oklahoma, man, I don't know if they do or not. But, I mean, it, it was really, for the most part, up until 
later in the game, it was kind of a sloppy play game and a fit, you know, penalties. A lot of penalties on both sides, and that's been a lot in, in Texas, and that was a lot with Oklahoma. You know, as you know, Oklahoma had two big leads and blew them before this game. They did. Now, the guys on Fox them. the guys on Fox were saying that they think there's going to be pink slips in Texas on Monday, but I guess uh, from, what you're yeah. saying, it, it, well, from what you're saying, Sean, it may not necessarily be on Monday, but it's coming. Because Tom Herman has a huge buyout. That's one thing. But some other people may be gone. But, you know, I don't know. And then another big game, Texas A&M beating Florida. I mean, they were two. You had three ranked matchups yesterday. Uh, you had Clemson-Miami, you know, which Clemson, of course, we know. Them out. And Texas yeah. A&M. Texas A&M taking down Florida. You know, they were both ranked, and I can't remember the other ranked uh, matchup. I think Ole Miss. Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee that, I think Tennessee was ranked too, weren't they? Tennessee Georgia was Tennessee. ranked. Tennessee and yeah. Georgia were both. Yeah. I mean, but you and had. Alabama, so Alabama I mean, and Ole Miss played yesterday, and a basketball game broke out 63-48. to 48. <laughs> Yeah, they, that was a really interesting game. This is 2020, only, no defense. <laughs> yeah, we're a little more. Yeah, well, they were playing a Big 12 game in the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were playing the Texas Tech Oklahoma State game in the SEC. Now, remember, not this week, but next week, the 24th, is when the Big Ten, the Mountain West, and the MAC come back. Uh, okay. 20, 23rd, 23rd or 24th for the Big Ten. Yeah, there's some games. There, there is a, game a Friday night game. That's right. Yeah. And now, like, a couple of teams in the Mountain West have already, Air Force, has already come back. Now, this is an interesting thing what the Mountain West is doing. Every, every Mountain West team is playing seven conference games and one non-conference, except Air Force is playing six conference games and two non-conference because they play Army and Navy. Right. Okay. So, but that comes back, and then you know you have a bunch of buys this week. You know, a lot of buys coming up this week. Baylor uh, Friday had to sus- temporarily suspend operations because of COVID. They had a buy. They weren't playing this past week anyway, so hopefully they'll get that straightened out. Remember, they already had a game that they missed. Because of you know, with Houston, Houston was in the parking lot, and they found yeah, out that they couldn't right. play. You know, and that was already after Houston had to reschedule with Baylor because they had a game canceled with Rice. But you know, so they we'll see there. Well, that's we'll see where okay. that's going. But Bobby Bobby Bowden, I guess, is in uh, tough shape in the hospital. Apparently yeah, Bobby Bowden has COVID, and uh, he already had a leg injury that he was in the hospital with. Yeah, Bobby Bowden already had a leg injury. He was already in there, and then he got COVID. So he's mm-hmm. 90 years old, and he's sick. High, he's high. He he's the high risk category. So we'll Certainly see. Hopefully, no. he can pull through. I mean, one of the legendary. He he basically put Florida State on the map. Yeah, and uh, Les Miles, I guess, tested positive for the virus. Yeah, he did. Miles yeah, that was a, that was a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, and he they didn't play, they didn't play. Well, it came out uh, late. It came out early this past week, but Kansas did not play this past. They had a bye week, so we'll see if he's going to make it back. Apparently, the SEC will start finding schools if they're not following the protocols that they've set up. That is correct. Yes, they are. Finding and or withholding TV money. There were so many SEC outbreaks during the uh, preseason. I thought they had herd immunity in that conference because every (laughs) school almost had one, it seemed like. And then I guess the other uh, story, just switching quickly to basketball, and this is sad because you you always heard of this guy as a nice guy apparently uh, wichita state had uh, now is he suspended or they just investigating Uh, they're they're investigating greg marshall for punching up a player and some other things and now he issued a statement saying that that he is not guilty of any of it so um, as per usual i will you know we would say here you're innocent until they prove that you did something 
Right. Now, there so. was a reason that when Shaka Smart came to Texas, well, they had looked at Greg Marshall, but there was some reason they go, oh, I don't, but I think that was more, now, you've talked about this also, there's, it's more on his wife. I think right. Gets we've had discussions trust. about that, not on the air, but we've had discussions about that in yeah. the conference. That she and uh, other places on, on air have well, had she discussions said, she, about well, that. The, other the simple answer to it is that Mrs. Marshall has or I don't know about has, but she at least at one time had a drinking issue. And, Correct. Uh, at, when they played Kentucky in the NCAA tournament one year, she went into the media room and was uh, running smack with the Kentucky broadcasters. Why you would run smack with the broadcasters, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. So, so you know, I mean, but it, it almost sounds from the things that they're saying, he almost sounded like he uh, morphed into Bobby Knight for a day or something. <laughs> yes. Was, you know, basically yeah. that's what it, what it is. So I hope, I hope, you know, it sounded like I've heard him on an interview. Sounds like a nice guy, but that doesn't mean anything. We never know. And we'll, we'll wait for that. Well, to, and remember, and remember, Chris, we also heard last year that um, when he was at the Cancun tournament, that he was sitting over on press row with uh, our Gary Rima for the UNI Panthers during that mm-hmm. game. So clearly, you know, I don't think press row is all that far from fans. And also he was out amongst the public that, you know, at that point. Well, the other thing too, is Bobby Knight was, uh, was popular in many circles, even though maybe right. his players weren't too thrilled with him and Larry Bird left and all that. He was popular with many media, well, many, many uh, people, Don his- Fisher, you know, he were good sure. friends. So, you know, it, you, you really well, can't tell. Most of Bobby Knight's players, though, except Larry Bird, the players that stayed, like, you look at Isaiah Thomas, Quinn Buckner, those yeah. guys, very loyal to Bobby even, Knight. Even yeah. Steve Alford. Mm-hmm. Yes, Steve so, Alford, very loyal to Bobby Knight. So I think well, Chris, that's why, don't, why don't you hit the, why don't you say where we've been with baseball, and I will try to find out where we're at right now. Okay, all right. Well, when we went, when we last talked to you, we were just, we had just finished up the first round, the wild card series, and we told you about that. So we'll run through what happened in the division series. We had in the AL, the number one seed Tampa Bay beat the Yankees three games to two. And, and we're all very happy about that. A lot of people are, yes. Yes. And, and uh, certainly around here. And uh, Mike Brosseau, I think is his name, hit the home run that decided the game in the eighth inning. It was a 1-1 tie going Bra- to the bottom Bra- of the eighth. It's Brasso, Chris. Brasso. Brasso. And he hit it. And, um, you know, they, they held on in the ninth inning. So, uh, once again, if I'm not uh, mistaken, Geraldus Chapman gave up the uh, home run that caught yes, the he eight. Yes, he, he did. He did. You know, and so, this is uh, the same. This is the same guy that he uh, allegedly threw at earlier. Oh, okay. That started yeah. that whole thing that they wouldn't, uh, sus- you know, do the investigation for. So maybe a little, uh, you know, turn a little. Uh, what do you want? Turnabout's fair play there. Turnabout's fair play or whatever. The other series in in the American League, of course, Houston beat the A's three games to one, and the A's pitching sort of went away. Robert, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know what happened either. But as an A's fan, I'm thoroughly disgusted, and and I'm afraid things are going to get worse before they get better because we have one of the cheapest owners in baseball and and uh, I don't think he'll keep this team together. I think we're going to be broken up. I, our manager could be going elsewhere. Uh, it, it, there's all kinds of things happening with this organization. Uh, unfortunately, we're not the New York Mets. We're going to get a multi-billionaire to come in and save it, although I, I would love that to happen because, frankly, uh, this owner has been one, of our, one, been one of our biggest problems. That's why the Oakland A's always have to let their free agents go or they trade them before they they become free agents. Uh, uh, until we get an established owner that don't mind spending any money, I'm afraid it's going to be a vicious circle. 
Well, when you figure, and in different ways, Charlie Finley and Connie Mack were, were great owners. You know, there's no more, more if you mention owners in, in not so much this guy, we, people don't know his name that much. John Fisher they, is his John name. Fisher, but they know Charlie Finley and they know Connie Mack. If you ask right. who's a baseball owner in history that isn't your team, they say Charlie Finley and Connie Mack. Well, That's right. Connie Mack didn't have any money either. Now, he tried to run the team as best he could, but he had to sell people off all the time, and, and Charlie Finley was Charlie Finley. I mean, he did some good things, he did some bad things, and had some good ideas. And uh, he was uh, Bill Veck on steroids, but not as nice a person as Bill Veck and, was. So. And a- after Finley, um, you know, sold the team, we had some good owners, yep. owners, but because of health reasons, they ended up selling. And and uh, this guy, he just uh, I, he's one of the major reasons why the A's don't have a stadium because uh, mm-hmm. he refuses to. Uh, to contribute to uh, uh, fi- financing any part of the stadium. And he's a billionaire. He's in the retail industry. And now he's using the COVID-19 as an excuse for, well, I lost a lot of money because, uh, right. you know, nobody's shopping and nobody went to the so ballpark. Anyway, and, you know. All that being said, yeah. the Rays are going uh, now underway against Houston. If we can get a score on that, we, we, uh, do, we were able to get one, uh, Perry? Yes, yes. It is one nothing Astros in the top of the fourth. Okay, I think most people, most as we would say, right-thinking Americans are rooting against Houston. That is uh, correct. You know, but that's uh, but they're uh, the and, new Yankees. They are at least. For, Although for the, the, the one guy I feel bad for in this whole situation is Dusty Baker. Oh yeah, no, nobody's rooting against Dusty Baker. You know, that's if, the one thing. If anybody deserves a ring out of this thing, he does. But unfortunately, he's managing the well, wrong. Tampa team. Bay and the Rays uh, and Houston had a good series last year, and it went yep. down to the fifth game. Of uh, I think uh, Houston beat hey. them pretty soundly in that game, but yep. they, they did have a, a good game, a good uh, thing. The National League, uh, those series were not close, and both teams that are going into the uh, playoffs, into the uh, championship series, are undefeated because yes. they swept their series. The uh, Dodgers swept the Padres 3 to nothing. The only good game was game number two, and that came down to the wire, and uh, Atlanta beat Miami three games to none. So Miami has finally lost a postseason series after winning seven in a row. Yeah, Probably the best game in that series was game two. That's right. correct. So the Dodgers and Braves will meet and they've not met, you know, as often as both teams have been in the playoffs. Now, first of all, the Do- the Braves haven't been to the League Championship Series since 2001, so that's pretty cool that they're yep. back there. Used to be their Invitational, like from 91 through 2001. What was it? There were 10 of them, and I think they were in eight of them or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there, there's that. And the uh, they haven't played for the pennants since 1959 when they had a playoff, and the uh, Dodgers won in one game in Milwaukee, and they went back to L.A. and won the next game on the next day. So uh, And they would have had two in L.A. if they needed them. So they haven't played for the pennants since 1959. So that'll that'll be interesting, and that'll get going uh, tomorrow. So what is the schedule for? So the we have schedule the A's for, and we do. Uh, Astros <clears throat> underway. Yes, and <clears throat> then tomorrow, the A's and the Astros at 4 Eastern, and then at 8 Eastern, it's Braves-Dodgers. Okay, so it's I guess Rays that's... It's the Rays and the Astros, not A's. It's Rays and the Astros, yes. That's correct, right. yeah. <laughs> right. Just briefly, because I forgot to mention it, apparently the XFL has announced it's not going to uh, have any action in 2021. They're waiting to get everything uh, straight for 2022. Yeah, with The Rock is putting his group together, trying to rehire a lot of the old people that were with it. And he has a production company, and I think he'll get this done as a good alternate league. Because remember, they were doing okay before the yeah, COVID. So. they were. Okay, so the NBA. So just to, to talk about this, because we had... Uh, and yeah, we and have by the a, way, yes, Chris, I already have that score, too. Okay, good. So the NBA... First Our friend I want to David talk, USF will be very happy with this score. 
Okay, well, okay. we'll get to that in a minute, but I do want to talk about the Seattle Storm. And normally we don't talk about the MD, uh, the WNBA, but they beat Las Vegas Aces three games to none. Apparently they must have had some crossover playoff because I know at one point one of them was playing Hartford and they're both in the West and blah, blah, blah. They must have some well, kind of- They don't do West and East. They do seedings. So anyway, that's what they did, and, they, and so Las Vegas, and it was ninety-two to fifty-nine. But the reason I'm bringing it up, and you know, hey, that, that, congratulations to them. Brianna Stewart uh, was the MVP of the finals. She has won apparently the two MVPs from the finals. Uh, they didn't win the finals last year, but she also was from UConn and won four NCAA tournaments with them, and won the NCAA tournament uh, t- final every year. So mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing, you know, for anybody to to do that. So um, and then uh, that's. The first, uh, first Seattle title with her, and the fourth that they've won overall. And Miami and the Lakers are playing uh, on Friday night. Uh, Miami stayed alive by winning 111 to 108. Uh, Jimmy Butler went off and uh, managed to pull them through. But what's going on now, Perry? Um, they're not going to stay alive tonight, I doubt, because, <laughs> well, they, I suppose they could, but at halftime, it is Lakers 64, Heat 36. That Ooh. does not look good. Oh. No, that's a yeah. little, that reminds me a little bit of the 2008 six game. It wasn't quite that lopsided, but, uh, you know, we knew the Celtics were going to win that game for quite a long time that day. So, so now, speaking of the Celtics, the Lakers will tie finally after so they've been chasing since 1963 when the Celtics took the lead in this battle. Uh, but the Lakers will have 17 titles. The Celtics have 17 titles. 16 in the NBA and one in somewhere, the ABA, ABL or NBL or the One of those leagues emerged. So we were talking about this and we figured out basically just sort of through just just thinking about it that the reason the ABA stats aren't in there that if some of the teams like the Nets and so forth have won titles that still exist. If a league folded and then you took them in, that's one thing. But if the two leagues met like the uh, AFL and NFL did and, and worked out an agreement and took a team, that's a different thing. And that's why the, the Cleveland Browns, you know, have some championships that people still know happen and that are in NFL, NFL books and AFL teams do. So, yeah. So anyway, it, it, all together. They and that's also, let me correct, is, is this true that like in hockey, the WHA championships don't count on their well, NHL record? I don't know that they count as championships. They might. I don't think they were because no, they the don't Carolina, count as, Carolina they don't. won. They didn't mention that the Wayworth had won, but what no. does count in hockey is the the uh, statistics because uh, because of Bobby Hull and Bo- and Gordy Howe. Because yeah. what happened was they have uh, you know were major NHL players when they went to the WHA, and Gordy Howe has like the most goals. I don't know Gretzky. I think Gretzky finally passed him, but Gordy Howe had the most goals, and they were WHA and NHL goals because they kept the statistic together, right? Uh, which is and kind of Gret- not and Gret- I think way, the but. ABA does too. The ABA, Gret- they Gretzky just- did pass uh, everybody, so yeah, yeah. so. I think so, the NBA with the NBA does that with statistics too. Yeah, they, Irvin's statistics okay. carried yeah. over. Yeah, that's first, true. And, and, so and Dr. Uh, J's different. Yeah, that's right, Dr. J. So yeah, the statistics, but not the championships. But if the league folded yeah. and then you took them in, that was one thing, and that's what the ABA did. They were saying they were going to fold, and then the NBA picked them up. Whereas if you come in as a not equal entities, because it's usually one dominant, but you know, like the AFL and NFL, they came in together. But we have a little. Speaking of, uh, we mentioned hockey, and we have a little hockey news. Uh, Matt Murray, the goalie, was traded from Pittsburgh to Ottawa for some draft choices. And he also uh, re-signed. With, uh, he uh, signed a contract extension with Ottawa, so he'll be there for the next five years. Okay. I think it's yeah. Matt Dolmy from uh, – where's he going? From Montreal to Col- Col- Columbus? Columbus. 
yeah. for uh, Boone Jenner, who's a forward. I know uh, Boone Jenner, no? back, but he backed out of the deal, so Columbus oh. Columbus substituted Boone Jenner with uh, Josh Anderson, okay. and, and Montreal immediately signed him to a new seven-year deal, so he'll be there a while. So Boone Jenner will stay in Columbus. He'll stay and, in Columbus. Now, the only, I know there's been some, uh, oh, I think there's another great, uh, San, San Jose acquired uh, Ryan uh, Donato. Ryan and, Donato and Devin Dubnik. Yeah, uh, from Minnesota. Uh, yeah. For choices. For draft choices. And then the and, only free agent I know about is our Tory Krug, defenseman from the Bruins going to St. Louis, which the Bruins have been very good at goals against, but if you look at the, uh, they were talking on the talk show, and you've got uh, the aging Zdeno Chara, you've got Tory Krug being gone. Uh, you know, this could really create a problem for, you know, they need some offense too, but yeah. this could really make, leave a problem on the blue line. So we'll see what they can do about that. Well, and uh, uh, there's been a few other movements. A lot of goaltenders have moved around uh the Bruins uh they signed uh, Craig uh, uh Smith from Nashville and he's a decent player Chris but he's not going to solve uh, your problem with losing uh Krug uh okay. he, he not, uh, they're going to have to do uh they're going to have to sign somebody else but Taylor Hall today signed with Buffalo and I know the Bruins were after him but yes. apparently the Sabres offered him more money so he's in Buffalo uh, Kevin Shattenkirk went from the uh, def- the Stanley Cup champion Lightning. He went out to the Ducks. Uh, let's see, as far as goaltenders go, Brayton Hopi left the Capitals to go out to Calgary. Uh, Jacob Markstrom went from Calgary uh, went from Vancouver to Calgary. Um, and Henrik Lundqvist is now the new goaltender in Washington. Good luck with that. Yeah. I think I think Hendrick is at the end of the road. Do they have much of a backup there? Because he's gonna, not going to be able to play all those no, games. No, I don't know who that backup's going to be, but that, that's going to be a mess in Washington. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of free agents that are still out there that right. need to be okay. signed. Well, so. Okay, well, see if you can keep track of them this week, and uh, you yeah. know, we can get back to that next week. I, I'm doing the best I can with this. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. And then, Chris, so, Chris we, before we get to the deaths, we can yep. update uh, the football game. The Vikings, if you have the Seahawks in your knockout pool, you're not going to be happy with this. <laughs> Ten nothing nope. Minnesota at this okay. point. Oh, okay. it's in that kind of so, day, that's also, for sure. Before we get to the desk, let me remind you of the question, and you can yep. call in right now and you know get ready for your answers while we're talking about who died. Six four six eight seven six nine nine two three, and do code two eight seven seven two three forty six hundred at pound key twice. The question once again is: How did you become a fan of your particular teams? team or teams that you follow. So think about that. Get your answers in here uh, while we talk about who died this week. Okay, so I'm going to start out with the big way. Again, like last week and like the last few weeks, we've had one uh, death that dominated all the others. We have four all together, but one is the big one. And I don't know, do you have the, uh, how much, how, if we got the audio ready for uh, Whitey Ford? We most certainly do. I'm ready to come. All right, let's hear about that, and then I'll read the the situation, the uh, info on it. about three minutes, a little less than three minutes. Here you go. Okay, all right. He reduced all of the numbers and theories associated with the art of pitching to a two-part equation, wins and losses. For Whitey Ford, it was all about the W's, and few were ever as successful as the little lefty from the Big Apple. Ford anchored a Yankee staff that was the engine of the most successful dynasty in history. 
Manager Casey Stengel appeared to mix and match his pitchers at will during the 1950s, but there were two constants, Whitey Ford and Yankee Pennants. Born October 21st, 1928 in New York City, the 5-foot-10-inch Ford burst on the scene in 1950, winning nine of his ten decisions and helping the Bronx Bombers to their third World Series win in four seasons. After two years in the Army, Ford returned in 1953 to win 18 games against only six losses as the Yankees won their fifth consecutive Fall Classic title, a record that has never been approached. For the next seven seasons, Ford evolved into the ace of the staff, used judiciously by Stengel, who wanted his gutsy southpaw to pitch in the most crucial games. Ford led the American League in wins in 1955, captured the earned run average title twice, and helped the Yankees win two more World Series over that span. But when Ralph Houck replaced Stengel in 1961, the new skipper promised to pitch Ford every fourth day. Ford thrived on the extra work, winning the Cy Young Award in his first season and pitching at least 244 innings per year from 1961 through 1965, a totally eclipsed only once in his first nine campaigns. With two more World Series titles in 1961 and 62, Ford's Yankees totaled 11 pennants and six fall classic titles in his 16-season career. Ford battled shoulder problems in his final two seasons, the only two years he would finish with non-winning records. His final mark of 236 and 106 meant that he won 69% of his decisions, a record for modern-era pitchers with at least 150 wins. Whitey Ford was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1974. One of the things that used to happen with Whitey Ford, and going back to what Casey used to do, was he would avoid pitching him at Fenway Park because he figured, you know, with the green monster out there and, uh, you know, just be harder for a left-handed pitcher, although many left-handers like Mel Parnell have had success here and Bill Lee later and Bruce Hurst. But anyway, that's just the way Casey felt about it. But anyway, Whitey, I've got some of the same information. He was 91 years old. He was born Edward Charles Ford. So when he came up, he was actually known as Whitey. I mean, it's Eddie, Eddie Ford, the first year or so he was in the in 1950. Uh, and it, one of the things it didn't mention there was he was one of the uh, the guys that hung out with Billy Martin and uh, Mickey Mantle, and they were always out on the town, you know. And Whitey was the guy. There were a few parties, I'm sure. Kept 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 them uh, sort of together. Mickey and uh, you know Billy kind of you know uh, would go off the rails a little bit more than Whitey. Whitey made sure they got home. I think he was that was his job. <laughs> he uh, came to the Yankees in July 1st of 1950. Then, as they said, in 51 and 52, he was in the Army. Uh, he didn't go overseas, but it was Korea. So more people came up. So then he uh, was back at 53 until May 21st of 67. His record, as they said, 236 and 106, 2.75 ERA, 1,956 strikeouts, uh, 10 all-star appearances, six uh, World Series championships, 50, 53, 56, 58, 61, and 62. The Cy Young winner in 61 and the uh, MVP uh, in also in the World Series in 61. That's when he set the record for scoreless innings, over 33 innings in the World Series uh, over those years. Uh, the wins leader in 55 and 61 and 63. He was a two-time ERA for, uh, champion for MLB in 56 and 58. And six, his number 16 is retired by the Yankees. There's like a plaque out there in Monument Park for 
for him among all the Yankee greats. And that was retired in 74. That was the year that he and Mickey Mantle entered the Hall of Fame together. Uh, he was the career win leader for the Yankees. The shutout he still leader, is. And still is. Shutout leader with 45, 3,070 and a third, 3,170 and a third innings. And uh, he was uh, tied with Andy Pettit for starts for the Yankees in leading uh, with 438 of those. And the fourth best winning percentage, that ni- that 690 percentage, is tied for fourth all time, let alone modern pitching. Uh, he was the pitching coach there in 64, so that meant he was a player coach. You don't see that very much, uh, but he did that in 64 for um, Yogi. Yogi was the manager that year. That was the one year Yogi managed the Yankees. Uh, and then 74 and 75, he was the first base. base you know, in 68, he was the first base coach, and then 74, 75, he was the pitching coach again. He died watching game four. Uh, or the other night when, that the Yankees won against Tampa Bay. Again, he was 91 uh, years old. No cause of death was given for sure, but he had dementia. And he was the second oldest Hall of Famer behind Tommy Lasorda, who's 93 now. So that's it for Whitey Ford. And you could count on, I'm telling you, that was part of the stability of the 50s and 60s. You know, first uh, Wednesday in October, there was Whitey taking the mound against whoever, Koufax or Warren Spahn or somebody, you know, for the World Series. You just, Bob Gibson, whoever it might have been. So I'll anyway. bet he don't have those sound- bites Chris that Tommy Lasorda does though. Uh, no. No. Oh, no. Maybe if they recorded them at one of the Twitch shores or somewhere. Well, that might, yeah, like may have that. Been, but Tommy okay. had them. But Tommy had them all the time. Oh yeah, uh, oh. he's got all, all kinds of. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll certainly that'll be a big, uh, big time when we talk about him. Unfortunately, because uh, he was quite a guy. Okay, yeah. Kim. Uh, we have three more. Kim Batiste, fifty-two years old. He had died uh, after kidney surgery. He went from uh, goat to hero in the same game, in the first game of the '93 NLC with the Phillies. Uh, they brought him in for defensive purposes and he threw the ball away but then he got the uh, bases uh, uh, clearing, well, no, a, a game-winning single in the bottom of the ninth to, to win the, the tie game over the Braves. The series the Phillies went on to win and uh, then they went and played the Blue Jays and lost. Uh, so he uh, came, let's see, he w- went to the Phillies, uh, got there in uh, September 8th of 91 and he was released from them on uh, 5-15-95, then went to the Giants after that in 96 and then uh, let's see, he he was uh, different. Uh, he played uh, different numbers of games. He was basically a backup. So in all those years, he played late, played like 251 games. He had 234, 154 hits, 10 homers, and 64 RBIs. And uh, so that was it for him. So. So that really his big day and his uh, day of uh, note was that day in the, in the NLCS. Okay, we have Charlie Moore. He was 91 years. He was a gold uh, medalist in the 400 meters in uh, in the 400 meter hurdles in '52 in Helsinki in the Summer Olympics. And he uh, set a record in the quarterfinals of that event. Then he was a silver uh, medalist on the relay team, 4x400 four uh, in the third leg. He ran the third leg also in that uh, Olympic. He had ran, won four AAU titles. Uh, from 49 through 52, and he was uh, also a big star at Cornell, won many NCAA titles, and that was all in the 400 meters. And then he went to Cornell as the athletic director. He was a business, you know, in business after that in various industries, but he went to Cornell at a pretty advanced age. He was the or- uh, athletic director at Cornell from 94 through 99, so he was in his probably 70s when he when he did that. And um, yeah, he was uh, big there at Cornell from 49 through 52, also winning all the uh, track championships. And the last guy is Jimmy Lee Solomon. And I had not heard of this guy. 64 years old. He was the MLB executive 
under Bud Selick. He was a high-ranking, uh, highest-ranking uh, ranking black official at that point. Uh, 91 through 2000, he ran, was the director of the minor leagues. 2000 to 2010, the vice president of the uh, major league operations. And 2010 to 2012, the uh, vice president of development. Started the uh, baseball futures game in, uh, in 1999. The first one was played here at Fenway Park. I remember that. And also he started those baseball academies for the inner cities and overseen, overseas. Oh, no, we have one more guy. That's right, uh, for overseas. And he, he died in Houston. And uh, as I say, I think he was uh, 64 years old. So uh, I don't know the what only happened. Thing, the only thing I remember about him, Chris, is I believe, remember that time back in the playoffs about, it was about in that 10 or 10 or 11, somewhere around in there when Joe Torre had the blunder, you know, of canceling the game and it never rained. Right. I oh, believe yeah. he was involved in that decision. Okay. Well, I almost wonder, and again, this is between the lines and there's nothing I know, but he didn't, it didn't mention a major illness. I wonder if he had some kind of an issue with like drugs or something. He just wasn't doing anything the last six years, eight years of his life. Yeah. And he was 64. So you wonder, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it was, but yeah. you just wonder about that. The last guy is Gene Shell. He was 90 years old. He was a high school baseball coach in Oklahoma from 57 through 65. Then he assistant football coach at Tulsa from 65 through 69 and an assistant and basketball there also from 65 through 75 and the head baseball coach at Tulsa from 66 through 80 and that's when they ended their baseball uh, you know they took it uh, took it down and uh, he, then he went to South Louisiana uh, from 85 through 87 which is now Louisiana Lafayette and his coaching record that's in those a, schools, you, they were southwestern Louisiana southwestern Louisiana yeah that's right 555 and 245 a pretty good coaching uh, record 14 and 14 in the NCAA and Tulsa uh, went to the World Series in 69 and 71 and went to the championship game in 69 and lost to Arizona State. So that's it for the uh, for the deaths this week. Thank goodness. Okay, good. We All do right, have a well. we do, wait, wait a minute. We do have a hand. Okay. Um, right. So before we get to our poll, Pierre, if you want to unmute. When Pierre unmutes, we will hear him. Okay, now I am. There, there we go. Didn't work, yeah. there you didn't go. work the first time, but... Um, uh, Houston and the Rays are tied 1-1. Uh, Minnesota is ahead by 10 going into the half. But uh, I was just waiting to do the poll when y'all ready. Oh, okay. Okay, hold, hold on, Pierre. We'll get to you in just a second here. Yeah, okay. we'll get callers in a second on that. But, all right. All right. Well, first well, of all, I have a lot of teams. Poll, uh, okay, go ahead, uh, John. Like, yep. like I said, all right, the question once again, and you know, feel free to start calling in, is, the teams that you became fans of, how did you become aligned or associated with that team or those teams? So, Chris, go ahead. We'll let you All right. Start. Well, I have a lot of teams to talk about because I'm right here in the Boston area, and we, of course, have a lot of teams to root for. So I'll try to make this in two or three minutes, uh, you know, because uh, each team deserves a little extra mention. But uh, it yeah. all started really for me with sports. I knew about the Red Sox. I heard of Ted Williams, heard of Jackie Jensen, Jimmy Pearsall, heard those names riding in the car and stuff. But I wasn't paying attention to them yet. But the thing that got me going was the Celtic because I heard that they were going to overtime and they were going to go for a championship. This was 1957, April 13th. I turned on the radio. The game was still going on, and this crazy guy was yelling and screaming, and his voice was going up and down, and that was Johnny Most. So I heard their first locker room um, you know, celebration. So I was there for their first championship, even though I didn't know what the heck I had just heard, but I was there. Then that summer, I gradually became more interested in baseball. By July, I was kind of listening to the Red Sox game, started to follow that. In, um, in uh, that fall, BC opened their alumni stadium, and I listened to their first game there that they got killed by 
play Navy. That got me going in college football. The Bruins started that October, and so I began to be a Bruins fan. And then uh, the one that wrote, though, the one that closest to my heart in a way are the Patriots, because I heard every basically every game they've ever played. They'll probably miss a couple here and there, not being around or something. But uh, the, the first exhibition game they played July 30th, 1960. I heard heard that on WEI, the old EEI at 590, uh, when they beat Buffalo 7 nothing, and a guy from my hometown, Bob Deep, a defensive end, uh, recovered a fumble in the end zone, first points ever scored in the AFL. Then they they lost their opening game against Denver on September 9th, 1960 at BU Field. I think it was 14 to 9, and I've been a Patriots fan ever since. So, I mean, I love them all, but uh, they, they all have special stories and special places, but, you know, those are the, the things, especially the Patriots, because they these other teams were around before I was, but the Patriots, I was there before they were. Yeah, you you grew up basically. You were with them from beginning to now. I mean, how many yeah. people can say that? Right? No, not very many. Every well, there's fewer every day, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> Terry, you know, everybody always will ask me, you know, hey, you live in Iowa. How in the world are you an Ole Miss fan? Well, it's very simple. When I was young and lived in out in the middle of nowhere. In the uh, 70s, my dad and I would listen to Ole Miss football on the radio every Saturday night. You know, because back then, um, everything was played at night. You didn't play games in the afternoon. You played at night. So we would listen to the radios on Saturday night. And uh, we would do that on Saturday night, and that's how I became an Ole Miss fan, especially football. My dad wasn't as much into basketball as I am, but he we would listen to football on Saturday nights all the time. And uh, that's how I became an Ole Miss fan. Now, the Cubs, that one's easy because um, – you, you kind of grow up. Once I got here, the Cubs were on TV every day, and they were, you know, you could get them on the radio and WGN, and you know that's how I became a Cubs fan. But and then of course Northern Iowa, they're a local team. I grew up mm-hmm. in Waterloo, Cedar Falls, and as I said last week, I would go to the games. And every game that I didn't make, I would listen to on the radio. So um, you know, you just once you get connected with a team, you just keep that team in your you know, in your cheer. And I'm not one of these people. A lot of people will, you know, when the Rams move back to LA, where you, are you going to pick a different team? No, I'm not a fan jumper. Just because the team moves, you stay with your team. So, so I don't believe the Rams in, are in St. Louis. Who did you root for? <laughs> Excuse me. Who'd you root for in the NFL before? Cause they didn't get there. Until 95 they, did, they, did, so. they didn't, but, uh, and I still root for the Steelers in the, in the NFL. So, okay. And because the Rams and the Steelers are in opposite leagues, you can do that. They only play every yeah. four years. That's yeah, right. now, what, now uh, oh, I don't know if you would have been old enough to remember, but what did you do during Super Bowl fourteen when the Rams played the Steelers, Perry? You probably weren't a Rams fan yeah, yet because they were in Los Angeles. Yeah, I don't rem- yeah, no, I, I wasn't a Rams fan then. Okay, okay, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Robert. Um, in my case, uh, my dad got me into all my sports. Uh, um, uh, my dad and the radio, just like you, Chris, uh, um, uh, with the Warriors and Raiders, especially uh, Bill King is, yep. is, is responsible for for me and my my and my dad made it very clear when I was very young. He said, "This is not a 49ers house. This is not a Giants <laughs> house. Uh, you know, you you are not going to root for either one of those." Because yeah. uh, you know, I told you the story uh, last week about about the Dodgers. So you know, he he made it very clear: we're not rooting for the Giants. We're not rooting for the 49ers. He made it. And of course, Bill King is the one that got me also interested in the Warriors. Uh, you know, when you grow up with an answer like that, um, 
you know, Bill King was basically my Vince Scully. He's the one that got me interested. In, oh yeah, he's great in, in the in the sports. So I mean, I only heard him on Armed Forces, but he was yeah. great. And, yeah, uh, you know, I got to hear during the uh, lack of sport there in July or August. I heard one of those play- Raiders playoff games. I forget. I think they're uh, the one. Uh, that was Miami. The, that was the sea of hands game in '74. Yep. '74, yep. and that was just great to hear him do the game. But yeah, I have to ask you, Robert. We talked about loyalty, and uh, Perry talked about his teams, and I've been right. for some of these teams for 50 or 60 years. Explain the Sacramento Kings to us. Um, okay, well, um, uh, when when uh, Kansas City moved to Sacramento, I'm actually I live closer to Sacramento than I do the Bay Area, and I thought, well, gee, I'm actually going to get a chance to actually go to uh, you know some of these games, you know. So um, I that's why I made the switch for. Uh, quite a few years because, you know, I, I'm closer to Sacramento. But uh, I ended up going back to the Warriors because of the Kings' ineptness and the fact that they don't know how to run their franchise. Uh, and they've, they've been that way with every owner they've ever had. So uh, that that's why I am that's why I made the switch. Okay. All right, Sean. So, well, let's go to Bill. What's up, Bill? Oh, yeah. All right, very Bill. quickly. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, I think we have a common theme here. Mine was radio. Yep. Mine was, of course, living in, in Indiana. Of course, we were close to Cincinnati baseball. But I would say my stay at the school for the blind, because there was a lot of people like me who loved radio, who automatically loved sports. Plus, uh, was raised by my stepfather, who was a very was you know college official, uh, loved Notre Dame, loved you know that's all we did was watch sports on TV or the radio. So, mm-hmm. common theme, same old thing, radio. Now, again, with pro football, the, the, of course, the Colts came there in 84. And before that, uh, were you rooting for any? Uh, pro, were you rooting for the Bengals and then switched to the Colts, the or what Bengals. did you do? I was rooting for the Bengals, but also when I worked for Social Security, I spent some time living in Cleveland. And when I was living there, it's funny how you move to a town and you kind of adopt that team one. While you're there, but I was a Bengals fan before a Colts fan. But when the Colts got here, there was no doubt about it because I had gotten back from Cleveland, and it was that's how that came about. So you had no See, twinge today about rooting for the Browns or anything. You were oh, all set no, to root for the no, Colts no, all no, day no, long. No, no. I've, I've <laughs> See, and that's another that's another thing, Bill. What you were talking about, you know, being at the blind school and radio and everything. We our blind school here was close enough. And we would go to Northern Iowa games, and of course, when I would go, I would take my little radio and and be able to listen there too. So, oh yeah, yeah, right. All right, John. All right. Well, for me, I have kind of an interesting spread out kind of. <laughs> of course, I lived in Missouri until I was nine. You know, well, I was born in Rhode Island, but left when I was ten months old, so I don't remember any of it. But it was wonderful. You know, time. Rhode Island's always wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were always we were from we were from Missouri basically because you know family from there. Dad was in the Navy, and so he was state. But so we always had Cardinal games going. And for me, it was Jack Buck and Mike Shannon. It's probably before I can even remember hearing Cardinal games on the radio, in the car, or they when he could get them on TV, Dad would have it on there. You know, you'd hear Jay Randolph and Luke. So, as they say, you don't become a Cardinal fan. You're born a Cardinal fan. So, I was born a Cardinal fan. 
And then back in the day, of course, living in Missouri back then, I was a huge, you know, I was University of Missouri kid. I, back it was, when I was eight years old, I was going to go to University of Missouri. And unlike Ole Miss, University of Missouri played games at 1.30 every afternoon on Saturday right. because they didn't have lights at Faroe Field. They didn't have lights. So all their games were day games. But then at night, I could listen to all the other college football teams. You know, like LSU always played at 7.30. You always knew that. And, you know, but I was huge Missouri Tiger basketball fan. I even named my goldfish Sunbolt and Stepanovich. All right. Goldfish. <laughs> okay. I named them Sunbolt and Stepanovich. And then, of course, you know, I would watch as a kid. I would start asking my dad questions. You know, I'd be sitting there with my dad and asking him a question about the different sports because he'd watch football. He always watched the AFC because he was an AFL guy because living there, you know, AFL, you got two games on TV. NFL, you got one in the 60s. So he, he stuck with it with the AFC, and I'd watch the end, you know, them. And we, we had the Kansas City Kings, but they weren't really, you know, they were kind of. But my dad's aunt and uncle lived here in the San Antonio area, and I was always fascinated. They were like my favorite aunt and uncle. And so I'd be catching WAI, and we moved to Louisiana. And I, you know, I followed the NFL, but not really. Bum Phillips. I just gone to New Orleans, so I kind of like. And Bum was charismatic, but I, for some reason I liked the Oilers because of Earl Campbell. But I was also we were always coming over to visit my aunt and uncle, so I'd be tuning in WAI. And before I even moved to San Antonio, I was a Spurs fan. I started following them. I mean, even in Missouri, I was following them. But really, that year that I lived in Louisiana. In Lafayette, Louisiana, I was listening to Spurs. It was the 1981-82 season. So, I mean, I became a huge, huge Spur fan. That's probably my main team, the Spurs. And uh, I got the Oilers because of Earl Campbell, and then Warren Moon came in, and then Jerry Glanville leaving the tickets. My dad hated the Cowboys. He made jokes to sissy boys, all kinds of stuff. So I always heard negative stuff about the Cowboys. So I latched onto the Oilers, and that's kind of how I latched onto the Texans because Bud Adams had, un- had alienated a lot of Oiler fans. First of all, when he fired Bum, and then when he, you know, he, when he was threatening to move the team, and then the infamous, the letdown, and just different stuff he'd done. And when they finally left, it's like, hey, we're off the hook. So what did you, then, did you root for before the um, Texans came along? They were about five or seven years I was in just there. Kinda wa- I was just watching. I was an NFL fan. I, re- I had fans of players. I was a fan of players. And then, but, you know, so I really had players and, t- and coaches because that kind of leads me into how I became a Longhorn fan and kind of pulled away from the University of Missouri, which, you know, I still watch them and see how they do. But... My dad had respect for coaches, and Fred Akers was the head coach of the Longhorns when we first moved here. My dad loved him. He hated Jackie Sherrill. Jackie Sherrill was a so, but we he he thought Fred Akers was it. You know, he thought he was it. And they that was when they were doing real well. They had that net where they could have won the national championship in '84. All the all they had to do was beat Georgia. But then they lost to Georgia, Nebraska lost to Miami, so Miami got the national championship. And from then, I just got hooked on the Longhorns. I wanted to go to the University of Texas. I got hooked on them. And then Tom Penders came on with the running horns, and then Rick Barr, and it, it just sort of it hooked me. But the Spurs especially, like I said, probably of all the games, I've been to more Spurs games than anything because I was right there. That was, you know, it was like I was a fan of the team. And then I moved to the city that I was a fan of. How often did, after I was already a fan? How often did right. that happen? <laughs> anyway. 
Okay. Got anybody else that has? We got, well, we had Pierre. Well, we have Pierre. Pierre, so, Pierre go ahead and unmute, Pierre. and then you'll be able to talk. Jamal, you're up after Pierre. Yeah, uh, I became an uh, LSU fan when I was probably three, four years old. My dad always listened to LSU on Saturday night. And so. John Ferguson. Right. And then uh, in 1958, when Billy Cannon made the big run back on, on Halloween night and they, they were national champions, uh, I really got hooked then. And then the Saints, I became a Saints fan. When, like I told y'all last week, when I when I went to a Saints game and the Saints and the Bears, well, I was hooked in too. Mm-hmm. Now I didn't become a uh, a Cubs fan until 1980. Back in 1980, uh, there was uh, there, not many apartment buildings had cable back then, and so uh, there was a Western Auto store uh, in the shopping center right next door. So I knew when the Cubs game were going to come on. And so for a demonstration, they had a TV in the window and a speaker. So I would go stand out there and watch the Cubs. And so uh, back in uh, 81, our apartment building finally got cable. And, you know, and I said when I would watch those Cubs game outside, if I ever get cable, I'm going to be a Cubs fan. And that's mm-hmm. how I became a Cubs fan. So before that, you didn't really pay much attention to baseball or, or what? No, I, I, don't want, I don't want to tell Perry this, but I was a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> to the dark side. From the I don't blame oh. you because in the 50s and 60s and 70s, the Cardinals were a lot better than the Cubs. That is for oh, yeah. They certainly were. Right. <laughs> but you know, the biggest network. They did. But you know, that's the thing with the SEC, Pierre, and I don't know that the, a lot of people realize this when even into the 80s it's a lot different now because of tv but in the right. 70s when i was growing up and even into the 80s our games in the sec were on saturday nights most games were on yesterday. saturday nights yeah and then, and you, and then you knew then, your teams were going to play at you know 6 o'clock right and then back then you know kmox came in like it was a they did uh, uh, local local. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. So Harry Carey was following you around. It took him a while, but he finally got you with the Cubs <laughs> in about 82 there. So that, that was right. good. Yeah. You right. know, uh, even being a Cubs fan, though, I'll tell you this. I really enjoyed some of the rain delays that the Cardinals would have. If they could have a rain delay every day, I'd have been happy because, boy, Jack Buck and Mike Shannon, and especially when they were playing the Brewers and they could have Bob Euchre. Oh, oh yeah. the stories that would come out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pierre's story, Pierre's story about the Cubs, and you hear about this people in their 30s and early 40s. That's why you see a lot of them that are either Cubs fan or Braves fans because That's of right. superstition. Uh, That's right. Yeah, because of WTBS and that WGN, you know, right, yeah. and I, I think baseball made a ma- major mistake by making those stations totally go away. Right. Jamal, Jamal, if you well, want to unmute, we will be able to hear you. Yeah. Yeah, Minnesota just scored 24, 10 seconds left in the half. It's 13 and nothing. Hello. Now. Okay. Hey, hey Jamal. Jamal. All right. Okay. I was listening to your topic. Interesting. A couple things. Number one, Here's how I became a White Sox fan. It's kind of a bizarre, and looking back on it, kind of a stupid story. But nevertheless, when I was a little kid, about four years old, I had a Cubs hat. I dropped it on the ground and got it dirty. I was upset about that, and I decided to become a White Sox fan. (laughs) Well, now, White Sox fans, did you know that White Sox hats were harder to clean because they were white? Maybe you didn't know about that at the time. Well, well, I mean... 
but I, but I kind of stuck with the White Sox after all that and never really changed allegiances. Mm-hmm. Now, for the longest time, I adopted the Braves as my National League team. Okay. And I'll tell you why. I adopted the Braves as a National League team because of what you all just said, WTBS. Right. You yep. got cable in 83, watched TBS, kind of liked it. So for the longest period of time, I adopted the Braves as my National League team. I, about the past decade, I kind of uh, drifted away from the Braves. I'm indifferent towards them, and I'm a big follower of them like I used to be, but I was a uh, Braves fan for a number of years ago at WTBS. And I remember back in 2010 being at Guaranteed Race slash U.S. Sailor Field watching a White Sox Braves game and getting kind of emotional about it because that was a few months after my mother had passed and I was thinking about cable and all that. Well, before you were born, they almost met in the World Series. Remember, I was talking about 59. That's when the White Sox went and played the Dodgers, so they could have played the Braves instead. Yeah. See, right. and that's, yeah. Jamal, and that's how I became a Bulls fan was that cable thing because we would get Sports Channel out of Chicago, and we had cable back in the early 80s. And remember, in those days, Jim Durham and yep. those guys, and they did simulcasting radio and TV. Yep, I was going to tell my story briefly about the Bears. I became a Bears fan by observing my father and my grandfather's well, they were watching Bears games. That's kind of how I kind of matriculated into Bears fandom. And college basketball, I was an Illinois fan. I'm still some of an Illinois fan. And that was mainly because of listening to the radio and some TV. Yeah. Okay. And, cool. that, and that's kind of my history. Yeah. All right. Oh, and the Bulls now, how old were you when the Bulls got good? They were kind of lousy, but you were yeah, you were right there with them uh, right on the six championships. That, that was fun. Well, yeah. He was an oh, adult yeah. by then. Yeah, I started well. I started following the Bulls about the year before Michael Jordan came into the league. About eighty-three. Okay, yeah. Oh, and, okay. And, and, and then exactly, and then Jordan came into the league, and then around the time Jordan came into the league was about the same time that I was uh, losing my vision. So I started listening to the radio a little bit more. That's when I flipped on Jim Durham on WIND, yeah. mm-hmm. and it kind of matri- really started matriculating into following locking into the Bulls. Right. Okay. Well, and you know, the thing about the NBA back in those days, you had to serve your apprenticeship. You didn't just go up, you know, you had to get past the Celtics and the Lakers and the Pistons and everything to get there. And then once they did, they got there and they had their time before anybody could knock them off, you know? Yep. Okay. I think we got them. So we don't have any more hands. So Sean, if you want to go ahead and wrap up. All right. Well, thank you everybody for the participation tonight. And if you want to tell a friend how to listen to the show, they can, or if you want to listen to it again, download it, legendoldies.com. Go to your podcatcher, type in Sports Lounge Live, three different words, or tell your smart device to play the Sports Lounge Live from Apple Podcasts, or go to 773 572 3006, option number nine. And, you know, hey, you can check us out. We're going to be back next week, and hopefully we have no more COVID uh, changes or anything. Oh, you said hopefully that last we week, have... Sean, and that didn't work out for too no, well, I didn't well, work hey, out. I'm going to keep saying it so we don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, see everybody next week. See you next week.